This is the movement of the Holy Family. Welcome, everyone. This is not the Rosary, but instead a fantastic conversation with Father Josh Johnson, a dynamic young priest from Louisiana. I think you'll really love what he has to say. Well, welcome, everyone. I'm with a very special guest today, Father Josh Johnson from Louisiana, who is just one of the most delightful and articulate people I've ever talked with. And I wanted you to have a chance to get to know him and hear his story and learn about his mission in Louisiana. Uh, But even more importantly, what he has to say to us about listening to Jesus in prayer. So Father Josh, thank you for being with us today. Dr. Mike, it is such a gift to be with you. Thank you for having me. So I would love it if you could just share with us a little bit of your story, how you, you're, how you come to be a priest and what your real passion is as a priest. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I never desired to be a priest growing up. I, my dad's Methodist, my mom's Catholic, and I grew up in the Catholic Church, but I, I didn't understand Mass, didn't get the homilies, thought the community wasn't very welcoming, uh, prayer was boring, and so... <laughs> I tried to find fulfillment outside of Jesus Christ for a number of years, and of course, that doesn't work. And so I had an ache in my heart all throughout middle school and high school, and I played sports to try to satiate the ache and dated to try to satiate the ache and partied, and, and nothing worked. And, um, and then finally, one of my friends, she went to a Steubenville South Conference in 2003, and she had a profound encounter with Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. And after her encounter with Christ, she came home and she began to invite me every single week to youth group and to a mission or to a retreat or to a conference. And every single week I would tell her, no, I'm not interested. Hmm. Uh, I have no desire to do anything that is Catholic. And then the night of my confirmation, my plan was to never step foot in a Catholic church again. After I received the sacrament of confirmation, I saw confirmation somewhat as a graduation from the church. And that night at the reception, she walked up to me and she said, hey, I'm going to this conference called Steubenville South. Do you want to come with me this summer? And for some reason that night, I said, I would love to go. And when I said those words, I remember thinking, no, 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 we're good. I didn't mean that. That was a joke. I don't want to go. And so I called her up and I said, hey, Brandy, listen, I'm so grateful you invited me to Steubenville South, but I don't have any money, so I can't pay and she said, it's cool. My mom will pay for you. And I was like, ah. Oh. And then she said, uh, I said, well, look, Brandy, that's really great, but I don't have a car. I live in Baton Rouge. Steubenville is in Alexandria, Louisiana. That's a three and a half hour drive. She said, it's cool. My mom will pick you up. Oh. So no matter what my excuse was, she was going to have a comeback. And so I finally went to the conference with her. And on June 26th, 2004, Saturday night um, in Alexandria, Louisiana at 8 o'clock p.m., Bishop Sam Jacobs exposed Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. And I didn't believe in the Eucharist at that time. I thought the Eucharist was a piece of bread. But when he exposed Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, I, I just perceived that this was God, that this is the one who I've been looking for my whole life. And I've been looking for him in all the wrong places. And this whole time he was right here in the Catholic Church. So I fell to my knees and I, I just asked God, what is your will for me? Because I just knew that he, Jesus, and the Eucharist would fulfill me. He gave me that grace. And I said, what's your will? What's your plan for me? And the first words I perceived from Jesus were, 
I love you. Wow. Not, I used to love you before you began to live a life of mortal sin, or I'm going to love you again after you repent and go to confession. He just looked at me in the midst of my mess and my brokenness and my shame and my pain and my wounds. And he just said, I love you. And I knew in that moment I wanted more. I wanted to, I wanted to just be with him. And so after the conference, I began to go to adoration every day. Uh, we had an adoration chapel in my diocese and I would just sit there. I didn't know how to pray, but I knew I wanted to be in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, and as I grew in intimacy with Christ, I just began to fall in love with the Lord. And the thought of the priesthood was always on my mind after that uh, encounter with him at Steubenville. But I didn't want to be a priest, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I didn't want to think about it. And I was frustrated that I couldn't stop thinking about the priesthood. And my friends began to make comments to me. Have you ever thought about being a priest? And I didn't want to hear those comments. And so after I graduated high school, I went to Southern University for college. And uh, But anytime I met a seminarian or a priest, I got excited. I didn't want to be excited, uh, but I was. And uh, so finally, I just told the Lord, I said, look, God, I love you. Like, I am, I don't only, I don't just love God. I'm in love with God. I love, I'm in love with the Lord at this point. And God made me happy. He fulfilled my desires. He satiated the um, the ache in my heart. He quenched the thirst in my soul. And so I told him, I said, look, you make me happy. And I can't stop thinking about the priesthood. And even though I don't want to be a priest, I think you want me to be a priest. And because I love you and you make me happy, I'll go to seminary to find out. And so I went to seminary hoping he'll tell me he's not calling me to be a priest. And I got to seminary and Eight years later, I was ordained to the priesthood. <laughs> wow. And and I love it now. I've been a priest now for almost a decade. And I'm the director of vocations now for our diocese. I'm the pastor of Sacred Heart of Jesus Catholic Church and School. I'm uh, the national chaplain for Vagabond Missions and uh, the co-chair for our commission on racial harmony. And I am more in love now than I was uh, in 2004 because uh, I, I live with my best friend, Jesus here in the Blessed Sacrament in our rectory. And I listen to him speak to me every day in the word. And I encounter him in the poor. So the poor are my neighbors and he is sufficient. He is enough. And he continues to be the greatest joy of my life. And so, yeah, I just love being a priest. I love serving the people. I, I can't imagine anything else than being um, espoused to Jesus and espoused to his church. I love how... You went before the Blessed Sacrament. You had no idea what to do, but it sounds like Jesus taught you how to pray. Yeah, he did. Yeah, little by little over time, right? He just, he drew me with bands of love, as the prophet Hosea says in Hosea chapter 11. He says he draws us with bands of love, and he drew me to that chapel. And I remember my first few times going to that chapel, I would literally go in there and count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, ten. I didn't know what to do, but I just knew that when I was with him in his presence, it was enough. I knew looking at the Eucharistic host was sufficient. And uh, and I, I loved scripture. And so I began to devour the word of God and listen to him speak to me. And then from, from watching how he communicated with the apostles, I got to know him. And I got to know his dispositions and his sentiments and his heart, his face and his voice. And that gave me the um, opportunity to, to begin to share my heart with him. Because, because I knew him. I knew him from the word. I knew him from the That's Bible. That's right. Yeah, it was just beautiful. Yeah. So our audience is faithful to pray in the rosary every day, meditate <sighs> on the word of God in the rosary. Walk them through what you do 
with the word of God in adoration every day? Just walk them through your process. Yeah, actually, so I mean, the rosary says, before I met, I believe I met Troy about a year ago, Dr. Troy, and um, it was so beautiful because the way I pray is, is pretty similar to what you all do. And so it's a kind of a community of hearts here. But uh, I typically ask the Lord to inspire me with a specific meditation from the rosary. And so uh, I would just focus on one decade. And so if it is, uh, if it's a Friday, then I might be in the agony of the garden. And before I speak, I listen, right? Because God gave us two ears and one mouth. And so I want to listen more than I speak. And so I first listen to God share his heart with me, and I will read the word of God and apply the steps of Lexio Divina to that particular passage from the sacred scriptures. Uh, Father Josh, walk them, walk them through the steps of Lexio. Lexio, yeah. So Lexio Divina has four traditional parts. You first read the word of God. What does it say? And, I, I, and it's important when we read it to know what it says. It's literally just what does it say? Not what does it say to me? Not what I think the author is trying to communicate. Not what are the implications of what they're saying. Just what does the text say in of itself? Whenever I was in seminary, we had a professor, Father Augustine Foley, who was a monk. And we had to write a, a, a paper in philosophy every day in his class. Every single day we had to write a paper. But his paper was simple. It was a summary of that particular philosopher's ideology. And I remember the first few papers I wrote, I got like C's on them. And I was stressing out. Why am I getting C's? I know these papers are good papers. And my classmates said, Josh, you're not summarizing the text. Just say what the philosopher said. Now, I can be pretty smart, Alec, at times. And so I literally went and copy and pasted what the philosopher said. And I said, Blaise Pascal said, copy, paste. And I, I turned it in. And Dr. Mike, guess what grade I got in that paper? <laughs> I got an A plus plus. <laughs> he was like, this is exactly what he said. And I remember thinking, well, duh, that's what he said, because I just copied and pasted it. But <laughs> the first part of Lectio Divina is we just read what does the word of God say. And after we read, we meditate on it. What does the text say to me? And we all know how to meditate. Have you ever gotten a text message, Dr. Mike, from a family member or a friend? And as you read that text, you, you begin to think to yourself, what does this person mean when they say right. this to me? Right. Right. That's what we do with the word of God. What is the text saying to me right now? What is Jesus Christ trying to communicate to me? What word is sticking out to me? What am I struggling with? What in the summary is piercing my heart right now? And so we focus on what it says to me. And after we focus on what it says to me, we then pray. And St. Teresa of Avila, she says prayer is just talking with God, right? It's a dialogue with, yes. with God. There's a particular way of prayer that can help people out. It's the pirate prayer, A-R-R-R-R, where we acknowledge <laughs> our thoughts and our feelings, our desires based on what we read and what the text said to us. And then we relate it to God, right? Prayer isn't just thinking to ourselves. It's not just ruminating to ourselves. Prayer is when we acknowledge and then we relate to a person. The person is Jesus. I relate to God in my thoughts, my feelings, my desires, my fears, my frustrations, my worries, my concerns, whatever it is. And after we talk, we also listen. Prayer is not a, a monologue. Prayer is supposed to be a dialogue. So in addition to talking, we also take time to listen to God speak to us as well. And so we sit in silence and we read more scripture or we pay attention to what image comes into our heart or what memory is brought up in our mind. And we try to be attentive to the voice of God as God wants to communicate to us. And so we, we keep the conversation open as, as a dialogue, right? Prayer. And in, in order to be attentive to this dialogue, St. Teresa of Avila says, for prayer to be authentic, we need to know who we're talking to and what we're talking about. And so she would encourage vocal prayer where we literally pray out loud the way you're hearing my voice right now. She would say, yes. pray out loud. But if you're in an adoration chapel, don't pray out loud because you don't want to be that person that's praying out loud, disturbing everybody else. So if you're in a chapel, then the encouragement is to apply vocal prayer to paper. 
by literally getting a pencil or a pen and paper and writing out the scripture, writing out what it says to you and writing out your thoughts, feelings and desires to God as well. That way you are attentive to the conversation. After prayer, we're invited to enter into contemplation, which is simply where we sit and we gaze at the beloved as the beloved gazes at us. And in any mature relationship, we go from asking a lot of questions and getting to know the person as the person gets to know us to just being cool and comfortable with being with the person. Like my best friend and I, we don't have to talk. If I'm chilling with uh, Father Ruben at his house, like we're literally at peace and quiet. We don't have to talk. Being in the presence of our friend is enough. And so the same applies for our friendship with God. Just being in his presence is enough. I'm, I'm fine with looking at the one who I love and being with him and not having to talk and listen anymore. I'm just, this is enough. This is sufficient. The presence of God uh, satisfies me. Uh, there's a fifth step that some people add, which is where we come up with a resolution, a, a concrete action based on our time reading, meditating, praying, and contemplating with the word of God. But it's not necessary. Uh, sometimes it's sufficient just to be with the Lord for the rest of our time um, in prayer. What what <laughs> advice would you give people who struggle with distraction during Lexio, during, even during the rosary? That's a great question. So there's a few things. I think that some distractions are inevitable, but there are a few things that we can do to avoid distractions. Number one is put our phone away. So one of our biggest temptations, one of our biggest distractions is a cell phone. If you were getting married on your wedding day, as you're making your vows to your spouse, you would not put your phone up to respond to a text message or an email or an alert or a phone call. Um, we don't bring our cell phones in the shower with us. At least most of us don't. And so there are places and spaces where the phone is not appropriate. The phone is not appropriate when we're in our place of prayer. So put the phone away. God is way more important than your spouse, even than your kids, even. And so if you won't have your phone in that time of intimacy with your spouse, then we should not have our phone in that place of intimacy with Christ. Put the phone away. Turn the TV off. But also be attentive to our bodies. We have to have self-knowledge. I know for me, I got bad knees. So I can't kneel down for too long when I pray. I genuflect. I kneel down a little bit. But then I sit. Because if I stay on my knees when I'm praying, eventually I'm more focused on my knees than I am on Jesus because the pain is so intense. And I'm not looking at Jesus anymore. I'm now just focusing on myself. So we have to know ourselves. If you are a person who gets distracted by other people in their prayer and you're constantly comparing yourself to other people and you go to a chapel, don't sit in the back. Because if you sit in the back, you're going to see them pray and you're going to say, well, what's going on in their mind, in their heart? What's God saying to them? Why are they so holy? And I'm not. Sit in the front of the chapel. Avoid being able to see people. Uh, so we, we, we have to, there, there's some distractions that we could do uh, that, that are going to come. But in general, there are a number of things that we can do to avoid, to avoid distractions, uh, like the, the place and the space and the time. Uh, you can even, if you have a family, if you, if you have a husband or a wife and you have kids, to ask your spouse, can you please watch the kids for these for this next 20 minutes or for the next 30 minutes so I can have a time of intimacy with God. And I'll do the same for you as well later. Um, but to bring it to the light, to expose it to the light, your desire to have um, encounters with the Lord um, in your home if you can't get to a chapel. And so That's there excellent. are things that we can all do. But again, I don't I don't want anyone to feel condemned if distractions come. But just as they come, just give it to God and then be open to the Lord speaking to you through what appears to be a distraction. I'll share this quick story. One time I was in adoration. I was doing a retreat for a consecrated virgin. Uh, and she was preparing, I think, to make her, I think she either just made her vows as a consecrated virgin or she was preparing to make her vows. I don't remember which one it was. And uh, and so we were in adoration together. And as we're in adoration of Blessed Sacrament, the song from the Backstreet Boys came to my mind. You are 
my fire, the one desire. And I remember thinking, why is this song in my mind? First of all, I didn't even listen to Backstreet Boys that much growing up. I was like R&B, hip hop. And, but the song would not leave my mind. It was just there and it kept playing over and over again. And at first I thought it was a weird distraction. I kept trying to reject it, but it kept coming back. So finally I was like, God, what do you want me to do with this song? And so finally I just brought it to the light and I told the consecrated virgin, I said, I don't know if this means anything to you, but this Backstreet Boys song keeps coming to my mind. And I said the lyrics and she started crying. And she was like, oh my goodness, that is, that's my love song to Jesus. And no one knows that, but I, that it's Backstreet Boys, their music helps me to pray with my bridegroom. And I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> so sometimes that which seems to be a distraction might actually be the Lord. So we don't want to limit the Lord to communicating to us in a way that we think is appropriate. We need to be open to God being bigger than us and communicating to us however he wants. And so sometimes even what appears to be distractions aren't actually distractions, but they're the Lord. That is fantastic. Well, Father Josh, could you sh share with the audience the the ministries that you're most passionate about? But first of all, your podcast. Tell them about your podcast and where we can find you. Yeah, sure. So I've been working with Ascension Press for uh, uh, actually since a week after my ordination of the priesthood. So uh, I got ordained in 2014, and within a week, I was working with Ascension Press. And so a number of years ago, we began, we discerned the Lord inviting us to do a podcast called Ask Father Josh. Ask Father Josh is a Q&A podcast. You can ask me anything and everything about our Catholic faith, from morality to spirituality to relationship advice. I will sit with your questions and pray with them and respond to them and help you to become a saint. I'm not infallible. And so I can be wrong. So I give people the freedom to reject whatever I say if it doesn't help them to grow in holiness. But it's a Q&A podcast where uh, I just get to accompany people from all over the world and their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you can ask anything. It can be confidential. No one has to know your name. And this is a way in case you can't get in touch with a pastor or a priest or a spiritual director, you can walk with me and I can walk with you and hopefully help you to, to just, yeah, to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And so I, I, I love my work with Ascension. I've written a number of books with Ascension as well, Broken and Blessed, uh, On Earth as It Is in Heaven, uh, Pocket Guide to Adoration and Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And so that's one of my ministries that I'm very passionate about. I'm also a full-time vocation director for our diocese. I love accompanying men and discernment of the priesthood. I'm a pastor of Sacred Heart of Jesus Church and School. And this is like where my heart is. I was ordained here at Sacred Heart, uh, uh, yeah, almost a decade ago. And um, it's just, I love this place. I love this parish. We have, uh, <laughs> the first thing I did when I got here is we put a chapel in the rectory because I don't ever want to move into, I don't want God to ever move into my house, the Eucharist. I want to move into his house. So before I moved into my room, I made a room for, for Jesus and the blessed sacrament um, in this rectory. And we have now opened up, we've reopened the adoration chapel in our church, which has been closed since COVID. And we're also opening up uh, a, a little prayer room in our school that used to be the chapel for the sisters uh, when the sisters were here and has since become an art room and we're making it into a little prayer room again. And we've invited a new group of sisters to join our campus. And so they've been here for the past eight months doing adoration with our kids weekly and helping our kids to pray the Mercedarians of the Blessed Sacrament. That's been a gift. But the fruit of prayer is, uh, the fruit of adoration is imitation. And Jesus Christ, he went out and he served people who are marginalized and disenfranchised and ostracized and poor and sick and suffering. And so I'm very fortunate in my geographical boundaries of my parish. We have a bus station. We have about three uh, homeless shelters and we have a lot of brothers and sisters who are experiencing poverty. And so I'm the national chaplain for vagabond missions. And uh, we just got a house in our neighborhood for our missionaries to live in. And we are 
trying hard to raise money right now to uh, transform one of the buildings on our campus into an underground cafe, which is basically going to be like a coffee shop during the day. And then in the evening, it'll be a safe place for our inner city high school kids uh, to get off the streets and to come to this cafe and to hang out and do Bible study and praise and worship and RCIA and discipleship and get tutoring and play sports and, and just be family with us and have a safe place to go after school. So they won't get caught up in the lifestyle of the streets uh, so that they could be exposed to adoration and they could be exposed to discipleship and the gospel and real friendship and learn how to pray and hopefully become saints as well. And so right now that's our big push that we're doing in our parishes. We're trying to uh, raise money to, to open up this center for our kids because Jesus loves them and he cares about them and he wants them to, to know him and to, and to have a safe place to, to, to go and to know that, that this is their home. And so I just, I love, I love where I'm at. I love this season of my life. I love this season of, of priesthood. It is just, um, it's a gift. And if anybody wants to partner with us, you know, you can certainly reach out to, to me and to our parish and uh, sacredheartbr.org is our church website. And you can support us so that we can keep walking with so many of our, particularly our high school kids who are in the inner city, um, helping them to, to break that cycle of poverty and that cycle yeah. of violence and that cycle of, of sex and drugs and, um, and have profound encounters with Jesus in the sacraments life of the church. Uh, Father Josh, give them that site again uh, where they can contact you. Yeah, so there, our website for our parish is sacredheartbr for Baton Rouge dot org sacredheartbr.org excellent how much are your how much do you need to raise for this cafe well <laughs> that's a good question uh, ultimately we're gonna need about a million dollars uh so we are we've already raised about a hundred and fifty thousand but we're it's about a million dollar project to get the whole thing up and running well this sounds like a, a very beautiful thing to do for god so uh, we have people from all over the world. Uh, maybe some of our listeners can help you build this cafe and and take care of these people. That'll be a gift, and you know, only in heaven will our listeners know how God used their generosity to impact specific people. You know, I'll, I'll tell us a quick story, real quick, and then and then we could. Uh, I think I mentioned a story to you already on my podcast, but it's one of the the fruits of this kind of ministry. There was a young man who. Um, he was being discipled by one of our vagabond missionaries years ago. And, and he would come to church because again, he was encountering someone who cared about him and was investing in friendship with him. But he was like, he was rough. And so when he would come to mass, he would come to mass with his shirt off. Wow. And, and he would like, could you imagine going to church and seeing no. someone with their shirt off and he would make out with girls during mass. We'd um, kick him out of the church. Right. It, our, our mindset is like, that's inappropriate. This is like a place of worship. Get out. But the, the missionaries, again, have a different mindset. And, and the missionary, the mindset, the mindset of the missionary is you belong here. We want you here. We want to walk with you. And we know it's messy, but we believe that you are worth heaven and that you have the capacity to be a saint. And so the missionaries just kept feeding in and pouring into this young man. And uh, eventually he got his GED and, uh, and he uh, was just discipled by them for a long time. Long story short, at one point, some of some of the people that were on the core team walking with this young man, they just thought he was just too much. And they went to one of the vagabond missionaries and said, look, um, you know what? It's either us or this person, but we can't, we can't justify walking with this young man. He's too much of a mess. And the vagabond missionary said, all right, I, I pick him because this is who Jesus would want me to pick. 
because Jesus always went for those who were ostracized. He went for the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the those who were possessed by demons. And he accompanied them into freedom. And so this young man was walked with and discipled. And uh, eventually he became the director of youth and young adult ministry for his archdiocese. You're kidding. Uh, and he did that for a number of years. He's a husband and a father now, uber Catholic. And now he's also an air director for Vagabond uh, up north. And so these are the stories of so many of the kids we walk with. We've had over 200 something conversions to the Catholic church from our kids that we've discipled. We have had a number of our kids become missionaries themselves. We have some of our kids are students at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. Uh, so the this apostolate really does bear a lot of supernatural fruit. And, and people who are your listeners who are certainly the best thing they can do is pray for us first and foremost and fast for us. But if they also contribute to this ministry here at Sacred Heart um, in Baton Rouge, sacredheartbr.org, um, financially, that can also just help us to get the center up and running. And God knows who else can have an encounter with Christ, fall in love with Christ, and be the next canonizable saint in our church's history, all because somebody maybe who will never meet them on this side of he um, heaven will encounter them in the kingdom of heaven and be able to say, yeah, wow, it was me. I helped I helped fund that 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 made a place for you to become a disciple and a disciple maker. And so we're all connected. Um, so it's just a gift. What a powerful story. Tell us one more time. It's, it's sacredheartbr.com. No, that's the school. Yeah. The, the school is awesome too now, but that's a sacredheartbr.org.org. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, Father Josh, I'd like to invite you to pray the rosary with me. Uh, and we have a special gift today in that you're going to lead the meditation, but could you, could you quickly, or could you summarize for the audience how to make the rosary Lexio? Because that's what the mother of God wants. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So basically... A uh, summary is that the, the rosary, if you read John Paul's letter, his encyclical on the rosary, he says it's a Christocentric prayer. So it's a Christ-centered prayer where we literally look at the life of Christ with the Blessed Mother, the one disciple of Jesus Christ, who was with him throughout the beginning of his time here on earth in her womb, all the way to his uh, death and resurrection and ascension to heaven. She's the only disciple who was faithful to the Lord throughout, who never left him, who never abandoned him or rejected him or betrayed him, who never sinned against him. And so nobody knows Jesus like Mary. And so whenever we pray the rosary, we're asking Mary, like, give me your eyes. I want to see your son. I want to see my savior the way you saw him. And so we take the passages from scripture that the rosary comes from, and we apply the steps of Lexio to that particular uh, passage of scripture, uh, where we read it, we meditate on it, we pray, have a conversation with God, we sit with it. And then after that, we go into the, the decades of the rosary. It is. Um, there are days where I literally spend my entire holy hour on one decade of the rosary yes. um, because I'm, I'm just, I can't get past it. You know, and it's like, okay, Lord, I know I'm supposed to pray the whole rosary. Uh, I still have to do my five liturgy hours a day and mass and a few other things. So I hope you're okay with this decade going a whole hour because uh, sometimes where the Lord takes us in prayer, when we really meditate on the word, because we can pray the rosary in vain. It's possible to pray the, to, to Babylon and just say a bunch of words that we don't mean. Absolutely. And again, she says, in order for prayer to be authentic, we need to know who we're talking to and what we're talking about. And so I find that praying Lexio before we enter into each decade, but like taking that passage of scripture that the that, that mystery comes from and leaning into it, it helps us to just um, 
yeah, just to encounter the face of God and the voice of God and the person of God and fall, in love, fall more in love with him. Um, and again, the fruit of adoration is imitation and the rosary is the life of Christ. And so if we want to be able to live his life again and be an extension of his life in the 21st century, there's no better prayer to encounter him in the gospels than through the, the mysteries of the rosary. So you're going to give a little reflection and then while they pray the Our Father, the Ten Hail Marys, and the Glory Be, where should their mind be? Their mind should be wherever the Lord takes them, right? I don't ever want to manipulate and control someone's mind. So just look at Jesus and listen to Jesus. If there's anything in the meditation that stuck out to you, if there's anything in the scripture that stands out to you, you just let the Lord lead. And so we're showing up the prayer and we're saying, Fiat, God, your will be done. And so wherever you want to take us, take us. And then what often happens for me also is sometimes uh, I'm drawn into a deeper intimacy with Christ uh, about five hours after my my holy hour in the morning, after my time. And all of a sudden <laughs> right. I'm having a conversation with somebody and I'm able to perceive the voice of God even clearer based on what I talked to him about in the morning, what I heard him say in the morning. He expounds upon it in other conversations with the poor or with my staff, or with my family, or while I'm watching a Hallmark movie or something like that. And it's like, oh my gosh, the, the Holy Spirit is talking right now. There's there's always more. And so to just be present to the face of Jesus and the voice of Jesus and what he's saying to you. And if you don't perceive him saying anything, then just be present to the prayer and trust seeds are being planted and that uh, he will water those seeds throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year, throughout your life. Father Josh, thank you so much. Uh, I want to invite everyone, you can find Father Josh at Ask Father Josh. It's a podcast. Uh, you can probably find it on your favorite podcast platform or at uh, Ascension Press, Ascension Presents. Again, it's Ask Father Josh. It's a wonderful podcast. I really encourage you to check out. So, Father, thank you. It's really been a delight and a blessing to be with you. It's been a gift to be with you too. I've really, I'm very grateful for this time. Super grateful. So everyone find Father Josh at Ask Father Josh on your favorite podcast <coughs> platform. So let's be apostles of friendship, good conversation, and the rosary. Share this with others. Hey, Father Josh and I also prayed a rosary together with him giving meditations on the luminous mysteries you can find that if you just search for The Luminous Mysteries with Father Josh.